0: Help your four-year-old find joy in learning. Waterford Upstart is a proven effective pre-K learning program that includes fun songs, games, and activities that prepare your child for success in school. We provide all the tools you need to help your child learn to read, including a coach, a computer, and Internet access. And because it's already paid for, it's free for you. Enroll today at waterfordupstart.org. Thank you.
1: Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Just a quick message to everybody who is listening. I hope everybody is staying safe, staying well in this current predicament that the the world sees itself in. Uh, With that in mind, this week we have decided to cover possibly one of the greatest pandemics that uh, ever graced this earth, and that is that of the Black Death. Now this episode may ring a little bit close to home for some people so if you don't want to listen to this episode I do completely understand that like I said this is it is very poignant to people uh, at this time mm. in in history so I do think that it's something that is quite important to cover I also hope that you can see certain similarities between ...the current situation and the coronavirus and also the Black Death. This is something that surprised me quite a lot and there are some very quite scary similarities between the two. So we are going to cover that. Like I said, if it's not for you, if it's not something or it does ring a little bit too close to home at the moment... ...then please by all means give this episode a skip. I do also want to apologise that obviously this episode is coming a week late... Obviously, we didn't record an episode last week, and the main reason for that is we had quite a lot of things going on at work, and I haven't really found the time to do that. So, obviously, with this week, we're going to try and get this one out. I am also going to try and get another episode out during the week next week, and then one next weekend as well. We'll also be trying to get hold of some Patreon episodes, so just for those of you who don't know, we are on Patreon and it's, uh, well, it's new for me, I've never done it before, and we're going to try and cover certain elements in history that you possibly, we're, we're not going to cover it in, in the normal episode. So, for example, I wanted to do an episode on Winston Churchill, that's not something I can do in one episode, that will go on to Patreon, and that will be something that's sort of maybe three or four episodes long. Same with Adolf Hitler. These, the, you know, these are episodes that you can't cover in just one episode. It's just too much detail. Um, they're the sort of things that will be going on to Patreon, hopefully, in the next few weeks. I do understand at the moment the current climate we're in, and people obviously being out of work that that Patreon is probably not something people can afford to do. So if you can't, then obviously don't. You know, we, we're still going to aim to get episodes out every week. On, on this at the moment. So don't don't worry, it's just there for you. If you do if you are interested, we will have Patreon going out within the next couple of weeks. So without further ado, like I said, we're going to carry on with the Black Death. Now many of you will be aware of the Black Death or what was known as the Great Bubonic Plague. Now the plague was a, a series of events. It wasn't just one event, but it was a series of events and deaths that spread across Europe from around 1346 to around 1353 54 so it did span around eight or nine years now with it being such a a vast disease it did cover like i said it did cover most of europe and, and the estimated deaths for the black death were somewhere between 75 and 200 million people so does put it into a perspective obviously when we're looking at certain things that are going on now in history and we look at the coronavirus and and the rate of deaths the the rate of death with this plague was was far greater obviously a lot of that was due to the fact that medicine wasn't as advanced as it is now and a lot of it was due to the fact that obviously they didn't really understand a lot of this was done by Doctors who really didn't have a clue. They had no idea about what was going on. And what they knew about the plague was exactly what their patients knew about the plague. So bear that in mind when we're looking at certain figures. Now, one of the main similarities between this and the current climate we're in was actually both of these pandemics started in the Far East in in China. So again, this is another pandemic that started in the far east and it moved across europe the reason it moved so rapidly was around the 1300s 14th century was the introduction of what was called the silk trade and the silk roads and the silk roads came from the far east and all the way into europe for for trade obviously this trade meant that a lot of things like disease and famine and things like that were spread along these these trials trails sorry and they were brought across to europe that way a lot most common misconception with with the black death is that basically it started there but that it was spread by rats now the thing with the plague it actually wasn't spread by rats it was spread by the fleas the fleas obviously happened to be on the rats at this time and that's what started to that's that's where it comes from you know they were rodent fleas they weren't necessarily just on the rats they were on every other type of rodent that you could imagine they did move very very quickly the The reason rats were so poignant during this time was because of the poor conditions in a lot of towns and villages rats were quite prominent and therefore fleas on rats was quite quite serious so when we look at the black death we mainly we look at europe you know we don't tend to look too much about the rest of the world because really at this time especially for for western historians you know the, the black death the effects it had on europe were were quite severe and that's where we tend to to focus most of our energy on just to put it into a little bit of perspective, I mean, the Black Death was estimated. Now, this, these are all estimates, so there are actually no real 100% figures on this. But it was estimated to have killed somewhere between 30 and 60% of Europe's population. So that is a, that's a massive amount. Now, it actually reduced the world's population from an estimated 475 million to around 350 million so that's the estimated population drop so you're talking over 100 million people as a best estimate that lost their lives in the 14th century now it actually took them around 200 years it took europe around 200 years to actually get that population back so it was something that was quite serious and quite a big deal you know we never it took a long time to recover from it it wasn't something that that was recovered from overnight so we know how the plague happened, how it started and now the amount of people that it, it was, the amount of lives it was taking. I mean, certain towns were completely wiped out. Some of the biggest towns in, in Italy, for example, in Italy, the town of Florence saw around 90% of its people decimated by this, by the plague. So it, it had a, a massive effect on on Europe more so than than the Eastern world, and that's why we do focus on Europe as as a general rule. The most interesting story is how it managed to get from China and from from the Eastern world across the globe to Europe. Now, it's really important to remember at this time in history, the Mongol Empire, which was the largest land-based empire in the world, so this, you know, they they have more land, base land than any other army in the entire world. The Mongol Empire had spread throughout China, throughout the East, and it had gone to the the West near Crimea. Now Crimea is located in modern day Ukraine, and it's uh, it's a little section at the bottom of Ukraine that that um, is on the in the Black Sea. So it. It's uh, it's quite a poignant place for Europe. It's sort of sort of Eastern Europe, like I said. It's it's just below Ukraine, and the the port on in Crimea was is important when we're looking at the Black Death. And the main reason for that, like I said, is obviously the Mongol Empire has, has expanded most of Eastern Europe at this particular time. The Mongol Empire had split into around four fractions, so you had the eastern part of the empire which was the great khan the middle part which is the changati khanate the more what i would say middle east area which was called the ilhan ilhanate i'm not sure if i spelt said that right um and then what we're focusing on which would be the the eastern europe Side of the the Khan, the Great Khan Empire, which was called the Golden Horde. Now, this is the area where we're focusing at the moment. The reason we're focusing on the Golden Horde is because, like I said, they were the main way into Europe from from the from the Far East. And now they actually had control over Crimea. There was a tiny little port in Crimea where they allowed the Genoese to to trade and to sort of use as their their own little home let's say this is the port of or the town of what's called Carfa now the reason this town is so important is as the story goes basically the Genoese used this port and they sort of fortified it gave it some high walls used it as a base not for any any sort of attack but you've got to remember in, in the middle ages around this time in history big towns used to have high walls you know they used to fortify their positions even though they weren't necessarily using them to attack so in with this area being owned by the Mongol Empire they were in no way going to attack the Mongol Empire you know when I'm talking about these being sort of in the in the Middle East you know towards the Black Sea any support that the Genoese would have got from from mainland Europe would have taken weeks to get there, and in this day and age, you know, an entire Mongol army would have destroyed that city. You know, they wouldn't have had a chance. So, the they, the fortified walls were there as, I suppose, a sort of protection. But again, it wasn't something that was uncommon. It wasn't seen as a threat to have high walls in this in this time period. Now, the reason it's important is because there is a tiny town ever so slightly further up. Now, this tiny little town is a town called Tana. Now, Tana is at the bottom of one of the rivers, and it's a good, you know, good hundred miles or so from the port of Carfa. It's a trading point which allowed, it was on the Silk Road, so it allowed people to move from east to west. It was quite an important village, but just as like I said, a small trading town now as the story goes there was a Genoese there was a riot between the Genoese in the city or the Europeans in the city and the Muslims in the city there were a few Muslims that were killed and the Mongol Empire at this time was protecting the Muslims protecting the Muslim world and what they decided to do was to round up all the Genoese in Tana and kill them as a sort of retaliation in fear of this the Genoese fled to Carfa which was the nearest city that had fortified walls that was safe from Europe and what happened was basically all the Europeans gathered together in this this one town just outside just on the, the north of the Black Sea the Mongol army chased them down the river towards the Black Sea and towards Carfa and this is where the fortified walls become important. The walls weren't very easy to penetrate. So, they, although they had high, you know, although, like I said, they weren't used as a threat, these walls were there and they were seen as a little bit of a, a difficult way to get through. The Mongols sieged the town. So, they put their army outside the town and they waited. They fired, you know, arrows, bombarding, you know, they, they bombarded the town for days at this time the black death had slowly come across and hit the mongol empire they hit the army outside of karfa at this point the mongols in the army had started to get their black spots pus you know all the the side effects that comes with the black death and were starting to die on the battlefield now to the genoese behind their city walls being a of a different religion to the mongol empire you know obviously they were praying every day for god to save them and you know to them this must have seemed like god is answering our prayers god is listening to us you know he's killing their army and we don't even have to fight them that's how they saw it you might be wondering well if the black death is out there and the europeans are inside a fortified town how does the Black Death spread from them into the city? Well, I'll tell you. Basically, what was happening, like I said, is all the a lot of the Mongol army was dying. And they had nowhere to put these bodies. The stench, as you can imagine, from rotting corpses was astronomical. You know, very, very unpleasant and not a nice situation. The Genoese were pretty much laughing behind their walls... So, in retaliation, the Mongols loaded their dead bodies onto catapults and fired them into the city. And that is how the Black Death managed to infiltrate Karfa. These dead bodies were now rotting inside Karfa and infecting the people of the town. When they realized this and what was happening, they realized that god had you know God had left them, God had decided that they weren't important and they god wasn't interested in them therefore they fled now with it being quite a strategic point if anybody looks at a map you'll see where crimea is you'll see where the port of is now just to the north is just to the north of the black sea what happened was the story goes that the genoese boarded ships now when they boarded these ships they fled and they fled to europe now the story goes that there was one Genoese ship that pulled up in a port in Italy and it was sent away and it was too late there was more than one ship, you're talking of a town of thousands of people who are fleeing the city some of them already have the plague the rats are known for dark spaces on ships so the rats that have got into the city with the plague, obviously once these bodies have flown the rats have followed the rats then got onto the ships, and there was hundreds of ships that left this port and they went to different corners of the world. Some of these ships went to the Middle East, some of these ships would have hit North Africa. Some of these ships would have gone to Constantinople, which is modern day um, Istanbul. so they moved you know and and a lot of them did go back to Europe, obviously at this point. Once they've hit Europe, you can now see the huge spread that surrounded the Europeans and how it moved from town to town and how it it expanded to, to killing, like I said, killing millions and millions of people. Now, a lot of the problem that they found with this was basically the situation that Europeans were in, as a general rule, european society was not very clean so unless you were quite high up and you know and had a bit of money behind you you generally didn't survive things like this you know you were talking about an area of maybe you a street in england that maybe has 5 or 10 houses on now would have had maybe 20 or 30 families living in that same space whereas now you'd only have 5 families you know it, you're talking about a huge shift in what happened and, and and the reason that things like the plague spread so fast was sanitation and the close proximity of families and people and that's why a lot of the things that were actually said to happen you know that that they tried to enforce back then are things that are being enforced today you know they a lot of European towns enforced segregation, a lot of European towns enforced if you were to show any, anything, anything in particular that could have been linked to the Black Death you were to isolate yourself in a, in a house and to put a big red cross on the house so obviously we're not that, at that stage yet, but you know a lot of these things that were being said you know, make sure you stay in your house you're only allowed to be with your immediate family that are in your house you're not allowed to go and see anybody else if you know even to the darker side of it if you die you you die alone you know this was a point where even priests weren't exercising the last rites of patients because that they were scared that they were going to catch the same disease you know doctors i I mean we're all familiar with the the plague doctor suit. you know doctors caught this disease as well it wasn't it was it was a case of basically everybody having to pull together to try and overcome like i said very similar to what we're seeing now across the world the whole world was in a situation where they didn't know what to do they didn't understand now the the difference between then and now is we actually understand we understand what the problem is and we understand how to stop it no one's listening especially in this country I don't know what it's like in America and things like that like I said I'm a delivery driver so I am actually out every day anyway delivering food to people now we tend to find that when I'm driving you know when I'm out and around and I'm seeing still seeing hundreds of cars on the roads, and you know it's it is very much I'd like I said, I don't know what it's like in America or Canada or anything like that, so if you want to let me know, let me know. but it is that point where I don't think people are listening, and I think really we should be looking back at pandemics of the past and and realizing where we went wrong and I think the complete and total lockdown of cities, you know what they used to do, even cities like London, you actually weren't allowed into London, they'd locked london down as a city they closed the gates they refused to let anybody in and anybody out so you couldn't even leave so again that was a case of trying to stop the spread of the disease if you left then you know you could potentially go to another town and and you could carry the disease with you and the issue that you had was there wasn't as much ability to track people back then you know whereas now you know everyone knows that if you haven't got your location off on your phone the government knows where you are i'm not suggesting they use that but you know everybody you can track anybody at any point and you know the 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 spread of this pandemic you know they they didn't react quick enough and again this is something we're seeing today they just didn't react quick enough you know another unfortunate reason for the plague spreading across Europe was the weather so it was it was yeah. a, an unprecedented heat around sort of 1348, thirteen forty eight thirteen to between thirteen forty eight and thirteen fifty one the The summers were extremely hot now in this instance rats have a tendency to bury themselves and go somewhere where it's dark and damp and cooler and then this causes the fleas on on the rats to look for different hosts where it's slightly warmer. So again, the weather had a big part to play in this and the weather obviously made these fleas look for new hosts including human hosts, including pets. You know, this is something we've as Europeans and, you know, westerners we've had pets for years, even going back to the ancient Egyptians, they, you know, the cats and cats, dogs, animals have been worshipped throughout history and when you look at that, I can't imagine that there wasn't people who had pets, now I'm I'm assuming the dirt poor in these towns and cities they probably didn't have you know, a dog or a cat to look after as well but they definitely would have been in contact with strays and animals that were roaming the streets so <clears throat> we're going to talk a little bit about obviously how these people died now like i said the the doctors of this time were extremely poor in knowledge and they had a thing that was known as bloodletting now this is probably the most common practice from the middle middle ages where there was seen an imbalance in the body the body was seen to have four different what were called humours so you had your blood bile, black bile and phlegm so when there was uh, someone was ill they assumed there was an imbalance with these humours so one of these four things was out of sync and the reason for that or the cure for that sorry would be to allow one of them to relieve pressure on the others and what they tended to do very very common was to drain blood out of people they assumed there was too much blood and if they drained the blood out of them then that would cure the problem now to put it into a little bit of perspective this is something that happened very very regularly and for a very long time so even george washington Actually died from bloodletting, so what they did was they believed he had too much blood on his lungs and instead of actually you know trying to fix the problem, they tried to drain his blood, and that's one of the reasons why he died i mean he was sixty seven he was quite aged for that era, probably would have died anyway, but you know to put it into perspective, he probably would have lasted a little bit longer if the doctors hadn't decided to drain his blood, and that is one of the problems that we had in this time. Was the if you could afford a doctor as well, you know, it wasn't just a case of you know the doctors would come round and drain your blood and that be it, you'd be dead. You know, these doctors they they weren't cheap. So if you were poor and you caught the plague, that was it. Like I said, they locked your door, they put a big red cross on the door. And then they'd come round two weeks later and take your body and bury it in a mass grave. So it was a case of people really not understanding, and it, even like I said, even the doctors didn't understand what it was, and that caused you know such a high rate of death. And obviously, it's it's a strange one to to look at now because it's it's such an easy thing to cure. We can cure it with antibiotics now but like I said back then if you were poor and you caught it that was it you were dead if you were rich and you caught it you had a doctor but you were still dead so it didn't really bode well for anyone who was caught it or was in contact with people another reason that they used to think so this isn't actually true but what they used to think was that you could if you died then you would pass it on through your spirit so this was a case of they thought that when this, your spirit left left its body anybody who was in the way of that spirit would also have caught the plague and again that goes back to believing that you know when they locked people in their houses like i said some of these houses had sort of 5 10 15 people living in in a one one bedroom so if you were in that close proximity. You were going to catch it. Pretty much guaranteed going to catch it. And die from it anyway. And that's why they believe. That the when your spirit left your body. It infected everybody that was local to it as well. Obviously that's not true. But that's where the belief system. And again it comes from that blind. I'm going to say. Blind belief in religion. Now I personally. am not religious. I was brought up religious. To an extent. You know, my nan, my granddad, my dad are very religious. It's not something I could ever get behind, and I don't want to offend anybody with my personal opinion on that. But I do think at this time in history it was a blind following of religion. You know, they believed every single thing that was written down and every single thing they were told to believe, they believed. And that's why. I say a blind faith in religion I don't think it's that extreme now there are obviously certain extreme cases but I think as a general rule people who are religious are slightly open minded to other potential things outside of the Bible and use it more as a guideline of how to live your life rather than um, a blind faith so that's my personal opinion but like I said if I've offended anybody by that I do apologise but I'm not trying to offend you, maybe you shouldn't be offended by it so <laughs> that's that's not my problem but uh, we're going to go a little bit to from now we're going to go a little bit onto the I say descriptions or the symptoms of the Black Death so it started with like a similar, like a fever a cough you know, general flu-like symptoms, and that was then followed by coughing up blood, and then you'd get the the infection that was why it was called the Black Death was the the black pus boils that would appear on your body. They they appeared on your on your inside your leg, under your armpits, on on your hands, and they would they would pus and ooze with you know liquid basically there's no other word for it um and you would pretty much you would you would die within sort of 5 to 7 days um you know it it said that it the plague basically takes three forms it would go to your lungs and give you difficulty breathing and then it would then contaminate the rest of your body and it wouldn't escape the rest of your body you would die within 2 days that's another form and the uh, like I said, the third form is the boils that would erupt under your armpits, and it would attack the the groin area. Like I said, the inside of your legs, and that that happened. To, you know, it wasn't prejudiced. It it hit everyone. You know, the it there was no real way of stopping the spread with, of the bubonic plague. They they didn't have. It didn't have anything, you know, realistically that that could have could have stopped it. The lack of knowledge, the lack of sanitation, the lack of ability to you know to understand it even. They they just they had no they had no clue. You know, they had absolutely no clue. And, you know, like I said, the figures say that between forty five to fifty percent of the European population died in a four year period you know i mean that's huge in areas such as italy the south of france spain were you know consecutively for four years they they those areas lost somewhere between 75 and 80% of their population and in germany and england it was closer to around 20% so it's it did take a huge a huge number of people you know half of Paris is a hundred thousand people died. I mean that's Paris, one of the biggest cities in the world now, probably still one of the biggest cities back then. Half of the people in Paris died, like said, the population of Florence was reduced from hundred and twenty thousand down to just fifty thousand. so again, you know massive, massive amounts of people that died. London, approximately 62,000 people died in London between 1346 and 1353. Now, what you're seeing here are big cities with big death tolls. There are very few, I mean, mainly due to the fact that pe- people didn't live there, but there are very few accounts of huge amounts of deaths in rural areas. And The main reason for that is, like I said, disease spread, this disease spread very, very fast and very quick in areas that were, you know, squished, contaminated. In in any area that had a high population in a very small space was decimated by the plague. And again, when you look at today's virus and you look at how quickly it's spreading and how certain areas of the world are worse than others i mean here in britain when we're really not doing great let's say in this this current climate i don't think anyone is to blame other than the people that aren't listening you know The reason this virus is spreading throughout this country so badly and possibly other parts of the world is that people are just not listening then you know you've been told by the government to stay inside and like i said i see it every day i'm out there every day i'm masked up gloved up hand sanitizer at the ready dropping food to people's doors every single day and i'm still seeing hundreds and hundreds of people out on the streets and that's because people just aren't aren't listening they aren't taking it seriously and i think that is a major problem that needs to be addressed you know we should have learned from 700 years ago when they tried to shut down cities because if they didn't people died and a lot of people did die and i think really just to look at the similarities between the Black Death and this COVID-19 coronavirus that we're facing at the moment there are very scary similarities in you know the, the quarantine side of it where it started where it spread to the reasons that it spread and the reasons why it's growing at such a rapid rate these are things that you know they say history repeats itself, and I think this is a prime example of of history repeating itself. You know, it has spread. The, the plague did spread, and it's a very scary time we're living in now. And it was a very scary time that they, they were living in 700 years ago. The difference now is we know we have the medical care to help the majority of people back then they didn't have that care they didn't have any medical care it was a case of if you caught it or you were within the vicinity of somebody who had caught it then you would die within two weeks and I think that is something that we, we should be aware of and I, I don't know how many people listen, I mean I know my statistics um, but I don't know how many people listen to to podcasts as a general rule i know what my statistics are and if i can help one person to actually realize the seriousness of this by listening to this then i feel like i've potentially saved someone's life so i do hope that you know it is taken seriously and that you know you you guys listening do sort of pay attention and and you know if 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 at least My history fans are going to listen to me and stay inside and stay safe. And, you know, other than the ones who have to be out there, you know, I know anyone who listens to me who's in the health service, you know, big shout out to you guys doing amazing work, not just in this country, but all over the world. And, you know, in this country, we're very, very proud of our NHS. And I'm sure throughout the world you know you guys are as well so I do you know do do thank you for for your work from that I would like to move to what is probably potentially what you may have learnt in school which was the great plague now this is the second pandemic this one is famous for hitting London so when I said earlier in that that only twenty percent of London died, I'm almost ninety percent sure there would have been some of you sat there going, "Huh? Well, I thought London was you know destroyed by the plague." Well, that is because the first plague that hit the hit Europe was known as the Black Death. The second plague was the Great Plague. Now this plague lasted in London for only a year and that is from 1665 to 1666 so this was sort of roughly 300 years later and it was a huge blow you know a lot of these people had probably grown up with the stories of the Black Death and how much it decimated Europe and how you know how dangerous it was but the lessons weren't learnt from this and it was estimated that in this one year a quarter of London was killed now that is over 100,000 people just in London and that, I mean obviously like I said it did take the world 200 years to recover from the Black Death this was 300 years later they had recovered population wise And then London just got hit again. So it was a scary time for London. And this was probably what you learnt in school. Now most people would learn. I know especially from my history at school. I learnt about the Black Death. Or I learnt about the Great Plague. Not the Black Death sorry. So I learnt about 17th century London. And I learnt about how the plague doctors with the the long nose masks and the gauntlets and the the long robes that's what I learnt about at school I learnt about London being on total lockdown and 100,000 people dying in London now that may be because I'm British and we learnt British history and it may be that actually this was relevant across the globe and this is what everyone learns, like I said I don't know what you guys learnt in the States. I don't know what you learn in Canada or in, in other parts of Europe. Uh, shout out to my friend from Costa Rica, who is on the Facebook group. So thank you for that. Uh, a man called Oscar Salas. Uh, if I've pro- mispronounced that, I do apologize. But just to let you know, you know, we are, we are global now. We are, we've covered, uh, I, you know, I didn't ever think we'd, I mean, to be honest, I didn't think I'd ever get fans in America, let alone, you know, even further afield. So, wonderful to to hear some of you guys and you know by all means let me know if you're on the facebook group just let me know let me know where you're from i'll give you a shout out um so yeah just uh back to back to the more important stuff sorry um like i said with with london they they didn't really learn you know they really didn't learn they they had to build new gates around the city of london and that was to 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 lock people in basically there was certain areas of London, the poorer parts of London were hit worse than the richer parts the the reason we know more about, about this was due to the fact that a lot more people who lived in London had the ability let's say to write they were far more educated one of the most famous men at this time is a man named Samuel Pepys I don't know if you learnt about him in school Samuel Pepys wrote a diary that dictated the plague and it also dictated the end of the plague which we shall cover in a different episode Now the end of the plague in uh, 1666 for any of you who don't know was the Great Fire of London. Now it's speculated how the plague actually managed to hit Europe at this time, or sorry, hit London at this time. They believed that it came from the Netherlands. So Amsterdam was actually hit by the disease in around 1663, 1664, and they were basically their mortality rate in Amsterdam was around 50,000 people. But well, they believe that there were bales of cotton that was shipped from there to London and that's what basically caused the disease to then hit London for a second time. Obviously at this point it was huge in London. It they the basically they'd learnt nothing from the plague beforehand. When they when it actually hit London for the, for the second time, they the ability to deal with it was roughly the same as last time you know 300 years later and nothing had moved forwards in regards to to the doctors and to the, the treatment of this this disease and on that basis london was was hit terribly you know this is you're talking about certain parts of london where people used to shit in buckets and throw it into the streets you know it's a very unsanitary place to live i mean as as you know obviously unsanitary conditions breeds you know and problems and obviously this is what london was facing on on a daily basis and the issue you had like i said obviously with the doctors and with them being so far behind medically they believed that it was at first it was down they believed it was it was god punishing them for their sins and going back to this like i said this blind Religious following of you know there were sins people did sin, and that was their their punishment. They believed at first, obviously, if you were if you had sinned, that's that's what happened. Then obviously preachers were getting it. At this point, the king actually left London as well. So even you know all the hierarchy in London, the king, the mayor, the mayor is the only person in London who actually stayed, but the king the royal court everything like that they all left the city all the high-powered judges they left the city and they locked the gates of london and at this time the only people that were allowed in were people who had certificates of good health so basically no one was allowed in no one was allowed out of london and they they went to this stage of you know everyone was locked down and it was a it was a family situation you know if one person in the family caught it They would lock the entire family down in other words signing the death warrant to everybody else in the family even though they might not have caught it you know they might not have had it but if someone in your family or in your household had it that was it your whole house was locked down so it was a little bit of a situation where they didn't have you know much hope and again but like before there was a red x put on the door and then what was a very common sight in London was what were called death carts which were basically people just walking around shouting bring out your dead and what they did was they brought the dead out from the the houses put them on these carts and then buried them in mass graves Um, and again you know this was spring of uh, 1665 going into the summer of 1665 so again that hot weather increased the, the problem and you know and, and to be honest again this is what we're seeing today you know they're saying still saying you know the, all the experts are saying that this virus hasn't peaked you know and we're still due our hot weather so i mean especially in the northern hemisphere you know we're still due that hot weather you know we're still coming into summer now so you have that potential where you know things are going to get worse during the hot weather so it's it's something to to realize and something to look at now and again i I still don't think we've really learnt from our lessons of the past and i do hope that obviously you know we we pull through this as a you know not just as a nation for for the british but as you know as global economy i you know we do we need to start listening to the experts and, and pulling through you know the there's a repeat here of two two incidences in Europe, within 300 years, and and it almost seems sort of again 400 years ago, 700 years ago. We've learnt nothing from these things, so I do hope that some of you take some of this on board. You know, I don't think a great fire like we had in London in 1666 is going to stop this. So, you know, really we need to pull together, and hopefully, fingers crossed, in the next few weeks we'll start to see. The world recovering. So, from me here at this week in history, I just want to wish you all a safe next few weeks and look after yourselves and you know, only leave your house if you absolutely have to. And uh, hopefully, we'll get another show out for you this week. Uh, I think realistically, it'd be fair to cover the Great Fire of London after we've just covered the plague of 1665. So, I think that would be the next one. so we're not going to play the game this week, but I will play it for next week. So, again, for everybody who's not on our Facebook, type in This Week in History. Get on that Facebook, and, uh, you know, you will. we'll see you
0: there. So just remember, everybody, we all have... In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Bundling car and renter's insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? Look for the signs. Chances are they live in a home and have a car. They use money and enjoy having more of it. They probably drink lots of lemonade. Mmm, lemonade. And they've probably said something suspicious like, I'm bundling with Geico or stop spying on me with those binoculars. If so, you may want to ask them how easy it was to bundle with Geico. Bundling is easy with Geico. Just ask your neighbors.
1: History and make yours great.
0: Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished a new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows. So you can do this. And this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? <laughs>